Atlanta sports fans are all too used to hear. Until now. No more negative expectations. No more playing the victim. No more fair weather freeloaders. No more. 38-yard field goal by Morton Anderson. The hold, the kick, it's on the way, it's up and it's going. From the mesmerized studio in Woodstock, Georgia, Believe Entertainment proudly presents Believe in Atlanta Sports with your hosts, Robert Taylor and the commissioner, Mark Rich. Hello, Atlanta sports fans. Greetings and salutations once again. I'm your host, Robert Taylor. This is the commissioner, Mark Rich, and you are watching and or listening to Believe in Atlanta Sports. Brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network and Mesmerize Media. And I think maybe I could be developing a tagline. I'm, I'm, I'm digging the greetings and salutations. I totally stole it from Christian Slater and Heathers, though. But I'm, I'm kind of digging it. I don't know if I'll start every show, but I've started a lot of shows that way. But Imitation is the finest form of flattery. It is, and who doesn't like Christian Slater? He's a great actor. Uh, I don't know what kind of person he is, but anyway, man, we had an action packed weekend man we we kicked off the weekend with a golf tournament and some people uh kind of echoed our sentiments about our mission here we're going to talk about that but boy then we had uh total dogs domination the falcons gave us a ride yesterday but they fell short but that's not necessarily a bad thing and boy you want to talk about the bad news bears well we got a little bit of the bad news braves it's not totally you know the world's not ending but it's, uh, boy, another bump in the road. So I guess without further ado, let's dive in. Talk about the golf tournament a little bit. It was, uh, it was a very fun afternoon. What a it, cool experience. Perfect weather. It was. It wasn't too hot. Uh, there were some uh, a, a few guys out there we would have liked to have had on, but given the circumstances and, uh, you know, reading the room, they didn't seem – and it's not a bad thing. They just didn't seem too willing uh, – to kind of jump on it started to get a little hotter as the day went on and they were the uh, you know Mark Wollers was one of them he was the last team but I think just he had kind of talked about himself and the Braves all afternoon and every golfer that the group of golfers that were they were foursomes that came to our hole said he's been waiting on you know all of us all day and even when he got to our hole the team ahead of him immediately went back and, and hung around and milled around his team for a while instead of moving on so all our uh, all our plans and uh and our thoughts were quickly dashed when uh, when he pulled up and they were talking about baseball already and we're like okay yeah guess we can't be those guys right now even though it's what we do we're not gonna be those guys yeah you know and again body language read the room we're like no uh, and, and i got a i got a, a little plan for that for next time but still great to be involved still great to get out there and get our name out there and meet some new people I think we got an event coming up uh, in Emerson in November we're going to be a part of. Uh, got to dig into that a little bit. But I'll, we, a few new Twitter followers, maybe some new listeners. Um, you know, we, we also met Ernest the Cat Miller. What a what a, what a great dude. <laughs> that was so oh, – man, if you could have been a fly on the tent and seen me and Rob try to figure out how we knew this guy – and then subtly work our way into introducing ourselves so he would have to tell us who he was. And instantly, instantly upon him saying his name, there it was, Ernest the Cat Miller. If you watched uh, watched WCW wrestling in the, in the uh, by what, mid-90s? Mid-late 90s. Mid-late yeah. 90s, yeah. You would absolutely recognize him, and, and we did. We just couldn't put a, our finger on it until he, until he said his name and... <laughs> Yeah, Very cool. That was the heyday, man. The Monday Night Wars. It was Monday Night Nitro versus Raw. I was a Nitro guy all the way. 
I watched Raw a little bit. But uh, Terrence Mathis was out there, some other guys as well. But, you know, first time out, we learned some things. But fun nonetheless. Glad to get involved. We won some great auction items to put up, uh, you know, to kind of dress up the studio a little bit. So that's going to be cool. And we're making we're making progress uh, for sure. On, it was uh, cool. Even the people that weren't really excited about getting on the microphone with us, we did have a few people jump on. But the the cool part to me was just the people that were just to give you a little idea of how we were set up. We were on the eleventh hole, and on that hole is a par five. And we had a cornhole board set up, and each person in the group was able to toss a bag. And if they drained it on their first shot, they were awarded a mulligan for that hole. So that was an awesome icebreaker for us just to be able to talk to them, just to let them know what was going on during the hole. And that usually spawned some conversation about what we were doing. And, you know, a lot of sports conversation throughout the day. People maybe not willing to be on the mic, but definitely wanted to talk to us and, and, it it was it, honestly great. You know, it was nice to have our sentiments echoed by people. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, hey, probably more so than Mark, I'm tough on Atlanta fans. And we have something to talk about about that today, too, because, boy, the Falcons fans, after that game, I, I was losing my mind. But met a, we met a mortgage bro out on the course. Nice guy, but if any of you uh, have ever gone to business meetings or just kind of dealt in the mortgage world, there's definitely kind of a mold of your, I don't want to say typical because our good friend Bob Brooks is not, he's not a mortgage bro. He's a mortgage dude, really good guy, but there's definitely this kind of thing, trend I'm seeing of their very high energy, very, but he's a Buffalo guy. And he was like, man, you guys have a fan problem down here. And I was like, thank you. And a few other people out on the course kind of echoed that sentiment where he was like, you know, if if the Bills, you know, we got J.P. Lossman and we were like, what what is that? But they were like, you know what? Hooray, he, he's our he's guy. He's our guy. Yeah. You know, and he said, it doesn't matter if we're down by 21. We're still in the stands having a great time thinking we're going to win. What did I say to you? I texted you. I was putting on some buttermilk brined wings, getting ready for the – maybe it was you or Justin Davis, our good friend. But I said, getting ready for this Falcons upset. We're going to upset the Rams. And we almost did it. And that was a great bright spot, but let me not get down that rabbit hole. We're just going to keep teasing the Falcons. But he just said, you know, uh, it doesn't matter if we're 1-17, in 1-5, in 5-1, five, five and one, it doesn't matter. We're there for our team. We were with them all the way. And there are, and we had a guy say, you know, there's the, the Homer Simpson people that disappear into the bushes in Atlanta, and then there's us, that we don't care if the Braves are 0 and 162. We're going to turn them on. May complain a bit, a bit while we do it, but we're going to go to the games. We're going to be there. We, we ride or die, and, and that's what we have to do in Atlanta. And if you guys, for you guys, have been listening since episode one, or maybe new listeners, we're we're trying to change the culture because it definitely is toxic. And I saw it yesterday after this Falcons game. So we we've got to do better it's- at supporting the town and the team and. You know, I'll, you 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 ready to jump on there? So get in. No, I I was all I was gonna say is it's kind of like the uh, the whole don't bitch about it if you don't vote thing. Like if you're not participating, if you're not like if you're not in it, then like you don't have a whole lot to, to uh, you don't have a leg to stand on when you're when you want to bitch about the team. Like if you if you're if you're at all the the home games, if you're at every game you can go to, if you go to a bunch of Braves games, if you're constantly watching, like if you see everything, then like you being upset and talking about it is one thing. It's the casual fan that reads something in the paper and goes, "Oh, the Falcons suck again." You know what I'm saying? You don't you don't know. Like please stop bitching because like you don't care. You don't care. You just want to add to. That's the part that makes me upset, and those are the people that that jump on Twitter. It's uh, most of the people that are just watching the games on a week. If if you watch this game and you didn't come away with some positives, just like the Saints game, like I don't, I don't understand. Like you just are an unhappy person. Well, it's just that whole uh, negativity thing. Like I've said it on this show before. Like the coach's son in little league or or pee wee football that usually was pretty good, but if the team lost, he's just over on the knocking the cooler over going, we suck. We, you know, we, we should just quit playing. Like we should just give up. And you don't do that in that locker room. They build each other up. And I'll give you a perfect example here. When we talk about Matt Olson, because he's really struggling lately, but Atlanta fans would say, trade him, 
terminate his contract right now, get him out of town. But should have kept Freddie. Yeah, should have kept Freddie. Now, man, he's stroking the ball. He's hitting a red hot three thirty out there. I think he leads the all of baseball, if not if not all of baseball, the National League and hits. But that's beside the point. He gone. Mm-hmm. Nothing we can do about it. But not in that locker room. They're not playing that game. So that's just what we're saying. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to tone it down a little bit today because we actually do have some people doing some work in the other room. But what I'm saying, Atlanta, is we've got to be more positive, more supportive, because there are a lot of great things going on. And we haven't given the Falcons enough of a chance to turn this thing around. And we'll get into that later. But I'm going to go on a side note here and say you may get some some action today because I'm pretty sure by the time this show or the next show is over, we're going to arm wrestle right here at the end of this table for that hat. And the winner takes it because I'm, I'm kind of digging it. I like the hat, man. I can just go where I bought it and get you another one. Well, yeah, or you could tell me and I could go. So, but I mean, arm wrestling for the hat seems kind of more fun anyway. I'm a terrible <laughs> arm wrestler. Man, I haven't done it in years, but I, I, I know after work sometimes uh, we'd go out and play darts and, after a couple of Jägermeisters and some mason jars of uh, beer somewhere, somebody would all – my buddy Ross White, I think he was – yeah, I think he instigated it sometimes. We would always end up arm wrestling at some point. And I was never that guy, but I was like – I would had just enough. Where I was like, yeah, you know what? I mean, yeah, come on, man. Let's do it. I watched over the top. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to get in there. Yeah. So let's, let's get into uh, the Braves. Uh and let's talk about that bad news. Uh, first night out, they reactivate him from the 60-day IL, and Ozzy slides into second and fractures his pinky, done for the season. And I'm a little – I don't – I can't use the word shocked. I was – I guess I'd say surprised because I feel like I've always seen him use the oven mitts like everybody else does. That's what I call them anyway. But those hand mitts, Ozuna uses them, Acuna uses them. But he didn't have one on. Uh, but I bet you he uses one from now on. And I'm wondering, do they just slap a splint on that thing, give it a couple of weeks, and then you tape it up and you go into the postseason and you play like a champion? Uh, Ozzy's a scrapper. We'll see. Uh, they talk possible postseason comeback. but No reason to play him for the rest of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, plus, you know, I, I don't. he probably can't get his pinky around the bat. I don't know if it's right pinky, left pinky. I, I want to say left, but – doesn't matter either way. You can't really grip a bat good. But since it's just a fracture and not a break, I think if they just take care of that thing and, man, I'm telling you, go old school on it. Put a little shot of something in there or that numbing spray, get into the postseason, and let's, let's worry about it later. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, what does that do for the Braves? I don't know. I mean, uh, not not to take anything away from Oz, but they did just fine without him. Right. You know, it's always great to have him in the in the lineup because he's such an energetic amazing ball player you know his attitude he's always smiling always having a great time always laughing you know playing around messing with the other players messing with his teammates so that energy is good but I I I would like to think even if he doesn't make the postseason roster he'd be allowed to hang around the club somewhere um but you still got Vaughn Grissom and again as long as Grossman and Ozuna uh keep producing and we we kind of talked last episode that maybe Rosario doesn't make this roster but maybe he turns it on so you know, we'll see. Um, but I don't think it's uh, like a, a, a doomsday prophecy or anything. But So I guess to, to, to just wrap it up, put a bow on it, it'd be great to get him back. But if we don't, we press on. And it's just weird uh, that, you know, last year we're, we're minus Acuna. This year it looks like we're going to be minus Albies. I'd love to – and that's, you know, we say it again, to echo that sentiment, winning's hard, man. Things happen, you know, to, to have it, this perfect culmination, this perfect storm – to to roll in and win, it's tough. But if we if we end up winning without Albies, then the next year we're gonna have to do it again so that they can both win together. Hey man, I don't. Well, the Yankees. What am I saying? Of course, the Yankees have won it like three times in a row. The, that murderers row back in the day. I think they won four or five in a row. But uh, let's just for just some quick numbers. Atlanta right now today, as we're recording, they're ninety-one and fifty-five. They've won three straight, six and four out of their last ten. They're a game out. Mets pretty much the same thing, six and four in their last ten. They've won three. Uh, man, the Braves are flirting with a hundred wins. I, I think they're probably going to do it. We've got, I think, coming up the Nationals, then the Phillies, then the Nationals, then that huge series against the Mets. That is a big-time series. Still trying to uh, get some tickets to that game. I've been, I wasn't promised them. I was told 
we would uh, we would have some tickets to that game. I'm still I worked on it yesterday. Again, our good friend Justin Davis, uh, they've got season tickets, and we were supposed to go to a concert for his birthday, but then his dad turns around and flies them all to the Bahamas, so he missed the concert. And I said, "Hey, man, you owe me some Braves tickets now for taking for taking my boy." And I get it; I would have gone too, but you know, the tickets got used. We had a great time, but. I parlayed it into some Braves tickets, I hope. But Beautiful. Strider, also Spencer Strider, our flamethrower, uh, overtook the crown of fastest to 200 Ks in a season, took that title from Randy Johnson. I had said Chris Sale earlier in the year, but that was just in the AL. Randy Johnson had the crown in the NL. I And I think he did it fastest overall in all of baseball, but definitely in the NL. And, man, if he stays on course – I'm telling you, we got. He's. I don't think he's ever going back to the bullpen. God, why? Why um, would he? That he's so. He's fun. He's like so much more than just a pitcher to us. I also was wondering because uh, you had a little less scruff out on the course if you were just growing the stash out for the postseason. But it looks like you got the beard going again. I can scrap it. Yeah, <laughs> somebody. I'll, do, I'll do, do anything it. for the show. I, and for the Braves, I now. can. I look stupid with a mustache. I shaved one time, and I was like, "Nope, this ain't working." My dad, my dad could rock it, man. My dad had a killer mustache. But do you remember my monster mustache? I don't. Well, hey, do it again so we can see it. Why not? It's postseason. Come on, baby. It's not great, but I'll do it. Uh, um, so you know, hey, yeah, you know, Braves are battling. It's a roller coaster ride. Uh, the the biggest glaring thing for me right now is Matt Olson. Uh, I, I'm not going to beat up on him, but just listen to this. This is his last 10 games. This goes all the way back to the seventh, which I think was game two of Oakland. They play, That's where they started out that West Coast trip. So from then until now, he is two for 38 with 14 strikeouts. That's good for a 52 clip. That's, uh, that is concerning. I don't know what's going on, you know, or his hands out of whack, is his timing out of whack? And here's another thing, too, that I've noticed. He's he's getting under the ball a lot because I saw a lot of pop-outs. He's, you know, he's hitting into fielder's choices. Uh, a lot of them, uh, and I went back and just looked at some video and stuff, a lot of them haven't been quality hits. He's, he's grounding out, popping out, uh, some, some, some line, you know, lined out, you know, when it's always good to hit a line drive, but. Man, uh, but again, it's kind of like that Braves lineup. You know, somebody Grossman has stepped it up. A lot of people are saying, you know, he's our best player, which we already went over that. He's not. He's <laughs> maybe one of our hottest hitters right now, but far from being our best player. And nothing we're, against. We're very Grossman. happy to have him. Very happy to have him. But let's let's be real. So, I'm I'm now I'm kind of you know, me, me and the Braves are always it's always a roller coaster of emotions with me, and I try to stay level headed. You know, for one of those episodes, I said. I don't know if they can do it this year. I, I mean, they're, they're going to march into the playoffs, but I don't know if it's, you know, the pot's right. And then they kind of went like this, and I said, ah, you know, hey, 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 wait a minute. Slow down, Robert. But guess where I'm at again? <laughs> I don't know if the pot's right. <laughs> because, it's the beauty of baseball. Yeah, it's a fun ride, and, uh, man, I really – man, I might just wander down to that Mets series regardless if I have tickets or not and sit out on the grass because we have, hey, courtesy of the commissioner here, two very nice – new chairs because out at the golf course I unfolded our chairs and one of them was one of those little tiny chairs where you sit kind of in the surf and the other one was like this kind of camping lounge rocker where I would have been like way down low so I called my he was late getting to the course because of it I said man if we don't get a couple chairs out here we're gonna have a long day so anyway instead we had a great day got two great chairs and uh so that's I mean that's the Braves uh you know, it looks like Kyle Wright's probably going to snag 20. He won his 18th game. So that's, I mean, God, I, and I didn't do my homework. I wonder when the last 20-game winner for the Braves was, and I think I, you, I think you got to go back to the the big rotation, to the Glavin-Maddox-Smoltz era. I'm probably, I don't think I am. You don't think there's one sprinkled in? I honestly don't. I, I can't think of one. I don't. Nothing comes to mind. I'm going to go ahead and shoot from the hip and say we haven't had one in a very long time. You could probably look it up real quick, and I can uh, kind of shift our focus here and, and BS for a minute while you get that info. But, I mean, you know, that's pretty much where we're at with the Braves. We're rolling into the playoffs. Uh, the Dodgers have clinched, of course. We know the Dodgers are going to be there. 
uh, wild card race uh, still could go, you know, either way. It looks like San Diego is going to wrap that spot up, though. The the Phillies, uh, we just swept the Phillies, so that knocked them down a couple more notches. Cardinals are going to win, the you know, the Central. So it's shaping up. Mets, Braves are going to be there, obviously. It's just a matter of who wins that division. But we uh, get, you know, get your, get your rally rags, your rally hats, uh, get fired up for the postseason because we're rolling in there, baby. And it, it's just honestly uh, a, kind of a lot like last year, uh, record-wise, uh, and, and how we've done. There's a name. Wow. Okay, the, the last Braves pitcher to accomplish the feat was right-hander Russ Ortiz in 2003. So it's been a hot minute, 21-7. and seven. Russ Ortiz, boy, that's a, that's a blast from the past there. So there you have it. Uh, for the power of the interwebs. The name that popped into my head is the, one of the only ones that I could think of that could have done it was Denny Nagel, and he was the one before him. You know who I was who I was going to say because it was kind of a big deal when he rolled into town because he did so well with the Mets. The name that popped into my head was Mike Hampton. Um, Fair enough. But that didn't happen. He uh, Hampton's time here in Atlanta wasn't – it was mediocre at best, uh, if I remember correctly. But let's uh, let's shift gears here and talk about what went down in Columbia, South Carolina, on Saturday. Like I said in the intro, it was a total dogs domination. I'm gonna say the score was 48 to nothing. We blanked them, but everybody saw the garbage time touchdown. Wow, ultra garbage time touchdown! Like we were we were putting in like oh practice squad guys third stringers I, th- I think i saw kirby put the pads on you want to know a fun fact about that kirby's first career game 1995 and i want to say it was his first career start was against the gamecocks but he had three sacks on ryan Tannehill. no steve Tannehill, not ryan Tannehill. i'm thinking i think it, quarterback's name was Tannehill. that's what i'll give you pretty sure it was steve but who, who cares it was a long time ago but kirby sacked kirby sacked Tannehill three times so was that the Aflac question? No, I just uh, I just picked that up uh, post game, kind of browsing around, doing my little deep dives. But man, the Brock Bauer show was on again. Uh, uh, he was he said, "Hey guys, I uh, I've been a little quiet the first two games. Like, you think maybe when we get to Columbia, I could go a little crazy?" And he did three touchdowns. Georgia tallies five hundred and forty seven yards of total offense and a forty eight to seven win. And can we say officially now? Can we just stick a fork in it? The Spencer Rattler hype is over and done. That guy is not a good quarterback, and I've said it all along. He makes bad decisions with the football. He rushes throws, threw some picks in that game, especially one to our boy Malachi Starks. Boy, he is shaping up to be something else. And I think it's either – I think I either texted – no, my buddy Carter. I texted uh, because we usually get like a group thing fired up over the weekend when Georgia plays, and I said, man – I said, you know, it, it was an Oregon team, Samford, and now the Gamecocks. But can we start to just whisper that this team here might be better than last year's team? This year is more balanced. Yeah, we've said that. And, and I mean, you know, wow, just, I mean, look at this. They were five for five in the red zone, four touchdowns and a field goal for the season, and maybe, just maybe, the Atlanta Falcons may want to watch some Georgia football because this season Georgia has improved to 19-20 and 20 in the red zone with 14 touchdowns and five field goals. That's getting it done. If they watch anything, just watch how to utilize tight ends, please. Yeah, Georgia's allowed 10 points this season, which is the program's lowest three-game total since 1927. And I'm telling you, man, just as far as being a fully balanced team, and listen to this, man. Stetson Bennett, when was the last time you ever heard this? Stetson Bennett was the leading rusher with, drumroll please, 36 yards on three attempts. When was the last time you ever heard that number at a, after a Georgia game? Tailback you. It's, it's actually kind of crazy. The, the, thing that, the thing that's concerning, if anything is really concerning, um, I didn't think Kendall Milton was going to start the beginning of the season. I thought he was hurt. Like I read reports thought that it was going to be the Kenny McIntosh show. And for all intents and purposes, it's, it's been the Kenny McIntosh show. Um, Milton, 10 carries 32 yards on the ground. He, uh, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Um, but 
we ran the ball with so many people. At one point, I, Cash Jones, Cash Jones came into the game. Oh, everybody! I legitimately saw. never knew that that guy was on the team. Yeah, I apologize, Cash. You're getting some some play on the radio it's now. It's a great football he, name, though. And mushed a dude. I loved it. It was. I was like, who is that? And then before I could before I could say anything else, he's on the sideline just crushing a guy. I I, yeah, I saw Branson Robinson. I saw Dejon Edwards. I mean, uh, um, you know, it's just crazy. Georgia's getting it done in the air. They're throwing the ball all around. Um, and those tight ends, I mean, good Lord. When I, I was working during the game, but I was doing my best to, to catch as much as I could, and I missed – I missed the transition. I missed Carson Beck coming in. Um, but when I came back out, I literally came out just in time to see the laser beam to Oscar Delp for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sweet. And then I then the camera panned and it was Beck and I was like, Oh, we're there already. I didn't I didn't I didn't realize we had these guys in. Oh yeah. So we um, got a backup quarterback to our uh, true freshman tight end that we're that part of the game now. And Delp's mother is a South Carolina fan too. Uh, and he's from there, so just just for that, my neighbor is going to be fun. My neighbor's a gamecock, and I haven't seen him yet. But I also went to Publix. I want to say the next day to get wings for the Falcons game, and I just I was going to change and put my Falcon shirt, my Falcons hat on, but I was just rolling with the Georgia stuff. I was like, I was rolling there, and I saw a guy in a gamecock's jersey, and I'm not kidding. Like as I'm walk, walking down the aisle, he just does this. I was like, hey, sorry about that. You still got your shirt on. It's a different world, man. It's uh, I, it's funny now that people are talking about how boring the Georgia games are. They're, they're If you're not they're a just, fan, they are. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, made, <laughs> I made that very clear. But, like, it's it just, ugh, it's boring. Yeah. I, at what point do you guys just stop watching this? Oh, never. Never. No. no. We I, love this. Of course. I mean, we waited 40 years. I mean, how long have we talked about how we wanted to be a dominant force and I've always said that Kirby uses the word elite. I use the word premier. I've said that Georgia has been an elite program, but now they're a premier. Pre- and somebody out there will say that elite's better than premier. Who cares? Just in my world, a premier is better than an elite. And now Georgia is the premier program in the entire nation. Not to take anything away from Alabama. Like, you know, if you want another little nugget to throw out there, Georgia uh, scored 14 points off three turnovers Saturday. That gives them a plus six for the year, and they've scored 31 points off of turnovers in three games this year. I mean, you know, that defense seems to have picked up where it left off. And, again, you know, uh, Kirby even said it. He's like, man, this year's team is a lot different because we don't have 15 draft picks. We don't have five first-rounders. But just like last year, he said everyone has bought in to what we're doing here. Everyone looks out for one another. Everyone is invested in one another. He's like, you know, you guys talk about all the catches made by Brock Bowers, but how about the things that happened that made that possible? Yeah. How about how about Washington out there setting up big blocks? And how about, you know, this guy uh, did this little small thing here? And it's every it's about everybody not really caring about the personal numbers or, or the shine. It's about saying, hey, guys, do you want to be a champion? Well, here's what it takes to be a champion. Everybody does their piece, no matter how big, no matter how small, and that's how we get it done week in, week out. And he even says these guys practice harder than the guys last year. So, well, I mean, big shoes to fill. There, but there, there's so much like the so the ball's being being spread around quite a bit. So everybody everybody's got to be ready. You know what I mean? Every everybody's going to get an opportunity. I I just to me the the idea that this it, it it's the culture we said it, i'll say i'll probably say this till i'm blue in the face but the shift last year like everybody was nervous everybody was clenched during the clemson game okay mm-hmm. it was a very tough game that was the first game after that game you knew you knew the very next game you watch them build momentum and start steamrolling people and you could just see that it was different. There was something completely different about the team, the program, attitude, vibe, everything. And that's not going to stop. That's not regressing. Oh, no. You know what I'm saying? It's different names out there. It's names you don't recognize. It's names that didn't get the majority of the playing time last year. But but they're they're all still working very, very hard. So when when you see the ball going everywhere, it's it's because everybody's everybody's getting an opportunity now. 
and one thing that I heard that you know, I hope the Falcons pay attention to as well is that they're like, well, the Bulldogs aren't aren't getting any pressure on the quarterback. They're not getting any sacks, but they're being extremely disruptive. Kirby said that sacks are not the only way yeah. for defense to affect the, the game. And I'm like, man, like whatever, whatever scheme they're running, it's almost like they're forcing the other team to make mistakes. Instead of taking the ball out of their hand, putting them on the ground and taking it away from them, they're forcing them to make mistakes. It's almost like they know that we have a very good secondary and they're daring them to, to attack it. I mean, I don't know how good your memory is, but uh, over the years, how many times have you told me, or have I told you, sorry, about even about Georgia's defense or just defense, you know, talking about any football game? How many times have you heard, and I've said it a lot, you just got to be disruptive. That's the key. Yeah. If you can be disruptive, and yeah, sacks are great, but you've just got to get people out of their rhythm, and, and getting people out of the rhythm, hey, you can have hurries. You can just hurry the quarterback. Yep. You just got to break their stride, break their rhythm, be disruptive, and and the rest is going to fall into place. But, you know, man, Georgia is good. Super Not that good. anybody didn't already know that, but I'm, when I say good, I mean, like, I'm emphasizing, like, they are really good. But like, I, just, I don't – if you ask me right now today, if Georgia and Alabama played tomorrow – Georgia would win. I'm, I'm, again, I, I think I'm convincingly. Yeah, I'm not, I am in no way afraid. Um, you, Alabama's always going to be the litmus test until they're not. Um, Paul for, Feinbaum seems to think the tables have kind of turned. He, he said Georgia's the new Alabama. He's like, this is it, guys. He's like, what you're seeing is what Alabama used to be. And of course, he brought up the same thing that we brought up. Well, of course, because Kirby took the recipe from, from Alabama and, and probably sprinkled in a few of his own ingredients, but here we are. So Kirby, uh, worth noting too, kind of like a la Nick Saban, has started a little streak of his own. I don't know if it'll go for as long as Saban's has, but he's 5-0 and against his former assistants. So, uh, you know, and then coming up too, we got, uh, we got another cupcake. Um, so maybe, and again, we'll get to see some more guys get on the field and get work. We got Kent State at noon, the Golden Flash, uh, Ohio State's favorite team to play every year. I bet you, I bet you it doesn't go the same way as the Sanford game. <laughs> I forget who it was. I, I, I was talking, uh, I was talking to Donnie, actually. Um, he's talking about how Eric Zier was talking about how Kirby's just, he's just always mad. He's just mad about everything. Um, but that, that's what it is. He was, he was mad during the, the Sanford game. Uh, he, he pushed the starters back in because yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't happy with what he saw. So i I, I feel like you're going to see one of those things where they come out and they put up 35 points in the probably early into the second quarter, and then the rest is what it. Oh yeah, it ends up being. It's not gonna. It's not gonna drag out like that Sanford game. I don't think. And no. not to take anything away from Kent State, but like we know what it is. I'm taking away everything from Kent I'm, State. I'm pretty sure there's there, there's already two minutes off the clock in the fourth quarter right now. There is no, there is no App State situation here. There is no you know Texas A&M situation here. Georgia is not going to get beat by Kent State. They're going to steamroll them. Did and you it, did you watch any of the highlights of the game? Like, or did you get to see the majority of the game? I watched every second of it. Okay, sorry. I, <laughs> every my, second. So the one thing, the one thing that like I can't get out of my head, like I'm, I'm always watching what Malachi Starks is doing. I'm always watching what Michael Williams is doing, and obviously I'm just I'm watching the game. But I key in on those guys. There's one play where Malachi comes up to the line, and the other DB is shifting, following the receiver, and Malachi stops him. Tells him to get back, get back. The run, the play's coming this way. The play's coming mm-hmm. this way. And sure enough, man, they snap the ball. The play comes that way. We get him for like a two-yard loss. And I'm just, I have like this like big grin on my face. And people are asking me, well, what's going on? What what happened? I'm like, man, I just watched a true freshman like call off everybody because he saw the play happening in front of him. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just elated that this is what's happening. And the other play that got me, and I hope they put it in the video game, that Stetson Bennett juke move by the goal line just like filled me with so much joy. I just, man, I, I really hope they take that and put that in the game. And it good, uh, good for him. I, I told my brother in law in the way too early talk, uh, I'm not saying he'll win it, 
but I think he's uh, very slowly earning himself a chair in New York at the end of the year. I'll go ahead and throw that out there right now. And, and you know, I, and I'm sure there's other, there's other coverage out there, but I watched a, a close to a 15-minute press conference, and Kirby did not have a lot to say about, you know, uh, usually he's like, oh, we got to do this, and we got to do that. And he overall was like, hey, I don't think we could have played a better game, which is – and I know maybe off camera or whatever, you know, uh, behind closed doors he'll say something different. The only thing that – and again – this is a lot easier to say when you're watching a game than when you're in on the field. Also, too, just a dude in, in Metro Atlanta. You know, I'm going to school for cybersecurity and I work at Publix. That's what I'll say. But from my perspective, in my opinion, people, I felt like the running backs could have hit their holes a little quicker from watching the game. I, I didn't think they were really kind of bursting through the holes. I also felt like there were times where they danced to the outside where they could have broke inside and maybe got picked up some more chunks of yardage. We talked about this I'm, over the years. We've talked about this multiple times. Do you think that like, so um, I'm just looking uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So take away Beck and Bennett, eight different people, ran the football. Is there something to be said for getting into a rhythm as a running back? Oh yeah. So, of course. but there's, there's literally no way between, I mean, Milton had 10 carries Robinson, six carries McIntosh, four carries. You know, I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't just be ready to go all the time. And I'm sure Kirby has everybody ready, but there's something about teams with with the running backs and stuff that get put up for the Heisman and have like these ridiculous numbers. They're they're bell cows. They they start out early, they get into a rhythm, and then they crush you throughout the game. We we don't have that. Do you think that like is why possibly you're seeing that from our running game? Because I mean, if you ask me as the as the casual fan, I, I guess maybe I probably read a little more and try to to pay laser focus in on the, on the play that's happening. I try to catch little things. Uh, I try to really listen to the announcers and how they're breaking down plays. So maybe I'm a Scotia above, but anyway, long, I'm, I'm babbling here. Long story short, it tells me that maybe they don't have their guy yet, like in practice and in games that one guy is not standing out head and shoulders above the rest of them to, to carry the load. So that's why they're running eight guys out there. So maybe nobody's really grabbed the reins and said, hey, I'm I'm the marquee back. I'm the feature back. And, and again, Georgia, last year who we have, we had Zeus and, and Cook. And then we've had Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. So there's but, always been a couple. But those, seemed, both you know, those tandems, those duos that we've had were always good. You know what I mean? They were always very good, both of them. Like Sony and Chubb would both crush you. Yeah, Gurley and Marshall would crush you mm-hmm. when we had when we had Gurley and Chubb and Sony. Like, well, that was a problem. But everybody ate. I think the other thing is that we are very comfortable throwing the ball now. I think what's going to happen now. Here's here's what I think about is that everybody's watching Georgia throw the ball all over the place. And when they finally hit that team that kind of shuts down the pass. They're not going to be ready to defend the run, <laughs> you know, what I mean? because Georgia's not showing you a lot. They're, uh, I would, I would say most defensive coordinators looking ahead at playing Georgia are trying to be like, how do we stop them from throwing the ball all over the field? And that's another thing too uh, that I'll get into. That is the one thing that Georgia did last year, and that's another thing that Kirby said they're doing really well this year is they're making teams one dimensional. Now, like it or not, Georgia seems right now, and they're pummeling people to be one dimensional, but sometimes being one dimensional is not a bad thing in this situation. When 15 guys are getting the ball, you're spreading all over the field. And no matter where you look, you can't, no one, no team in all of college football could march in and play Georgia and double team someone. You can't, you cannot double up on Georgia anywhere because if you do, you leave a, a delp or a Washington, or a Bowers, or a McConkie, or let's go on A.D. Mitchell, or a blah, 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 blah. On, you, you just can't. How, I mean, they, they've got, holy cow, the, the toys they have remind me of North Cobb High School last season. 
when they had a bunch of guys transfer in. Like, it was insane how many D1 players they had on the offensive side of the ball and how many receivers they had to get it to. It was like, you can't, you can't, you can't cover them all. It's just not possible to cover all of them. It's almost like they have an extra man on the field. <laughs> well, I forget who said it, if it was in the postgame or in the – in the halftime show, but somebody mentioned something about um, the scary thing about Georgia being they're just sitting back and taking what you give them, and then they're throwing it right back in your face. Yeah. Like, what, whatever you come with, Georgia's going to see it, adapt to it, and then use it to beat you. Yeah. And that's terrifying. It should be terrifying to everybody. You know, Georgia wins this game by its largest margin ever. And we're way up in the series. If if you really want to know, uh, Georgia's fifty four nineteen and two all time in the series against South Carolina. So, boom, done. You know, uh, but it, you know, and we improved this year. They won, they won the game. What I, am I? I think I'm about to repeat myself. But they won the game forty to thirteen last year, forty eight to nothing this year. And they said, "Oh, it's on." And again, I guess it's something you have to say because the SEC is good. Even Kirby said it. The announcer said it on the road. In South Carolina, the SEC, they were 24-point favorites. They doubled it. I'm t- Come on, everybody. I saw Auburn uh, over the weekend. See no reason why we won't trounce them. Also, Haven't gotten saw, a look at Tennessee yet. I saw Florida. You saw Oregon not look very bad. Yeah. And by the way, everybody talked about Anthony Richardson. Uh, he has not – his numbers are not great. One game. Yeah, um, so – Yeah, hot takes. Not, not sold on him. I, I see no reason after watching – Florida struggle that, that we won't roll down there and take that one. I, I want to take a, I want to watch a Tennessee game. Cause, and, but again, everybody said that at the beginning of the season, like, well, if Georgia's going to get beat this year, t- Tennessee and Kentucky are the only two teams. But you even said, is Tennessee's offense better than ours? Is their defense better than ours? Is their quarterback, you know, all those things. But again, but, and I still, it, as confident as I am in what I'm seeing of this. I said this before. I've said it a lot, actually. You know, when Jim Donnan got here, I said, well, new era of Georgia football. Mark Rick got here, and it was a new era, and he did do great things. And you can't say Georgia football without giving credit to Mark Rick, but we all know what happened there. Kirby got here, and I said, it's a new era. But this is is way different. It's just it's way different. And I'm still that little – I don't know where it is. It's somewhere. It's about this big, but it's still in there going – you know, anybody that knows Georgia football knows what that noise is. The but doubt fairy. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's it's minuscule because what I'm seeing is just Georgia doing what I've wanted them to do all along, and it's just totally go in there and step on people's throats and dominate them. And I just, I mean, I said it last episode. We are on a collision course to meet Alabama in Mercedes Benz. But I'd, I'd love to run the gauntlet this year. You know the game out. I'm very interested in watching. Tennessee, Alabama. Yeah. I can't wait to see Tennessee, Alabama. Just, yeah. Just to get an idea. And I'm not going to take anything away from Kentucky. I don't think Kentucky has a shot in hell of beating us. But they're not a they're not a bad football team. Their quarterback, Levis, he's going to go. He's possibly a first-rounder. Um, nothing, nothing on the schedule scares me. This could be Kentucky's last dance because Stoops is being whispered to take that Nebraska job. Why? Why would you? Uh, it's it, Nebraska. But, it's but a bigger program. Is it, though? Yeah, is it it's, it's more storied. Yeah, I mean, come storied. on. It's, it's, it, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm how, t- much, how much NIL money does Nebraska have? Mm-hmm. You know, who, who wants to go to Lincoln? What, 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 well, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Nebraska's a storied program to me. I mean, the national titles they won with Tom Osborne and – and Tommy Frazier, I mean, they were a powerhouse back in the day. And yes. So I, I just wonder in the football world what it would mean to bring Nebraska back to national prominence and, and have them become that program again. I, I don't know. Do they have more money than Kentucky right now? I, I don't know enough about the program. Uh, the, the way I look at it, here's, here's how I look at it. I, I can almost guarantee you Kentucky has better facilities I see what happened at Florida State and how hard it is for Florida State to get back up and going. And he's a good Stoops is a good coach, but like it's in it the is, blood. It is a dumpster fire out there. 
a dumpster fire in Lincoln, Nebraska. There's got to be there's got to be a better job. I feel like that's a lateral move, if not a downgrade. Um, but I mean, you could be right. I don't I don't know yeah. Mark Stoops personally. I don't know what he wants to do. Maybe rebuilding, um, rebuilding a program in a and I I'll probably get shit for this, but in a lesser conference and building that up to prominence is kind of how I played the video game. Grab yeah, a small uh, school and build it to, you, to world domination. You but. just never know about people's mindset either. Like, does he see it as a big challenge? And, and again, let's let's back the truck up a little bit and say he's been mentioned. Yeah, I haven't seen anything said. There's serious discussions going on. He just his name was at the top of the list. Urban Myers on that list. Mark, you know, Stoops could hold as much water as Urban. Urban Myers not going to Nebraska. If Nebraska hires Urban Meyer, oh my god, I'm gonna drive out there myself and be like, can I be AD? Because I can do a better job than this clown you got now. Urban Meyer should never be allowed around football players ever again. What a toxic douchebag. You shouldn't put him around adults again, let alone your children. Yeah, and, and I don't care if I ever meet Urban Meyer. I don't care. I, I've seen enough. You know, they say, don't you know, you've never met the guy. You've never been in the room with him. Well, I've seen his behavior don't care. in the media. And, it's, and if his behavior in the media is indicative of how he is at all, which it probably is, but who cares? Whatever. We're not talking about Urban Meyer. But I, there's one, can he win a national t- I don't know. I think he might have a better chance at a national title in Nebraska than Kentucky. I don't know. I think Kentucky, I think their peak, they could get to the SEC championship game. Maybe, but they ain't doing it while Kirby Smart's in Athens. I'll tell you that. Right. And, They're and, not going to garner enough talent to overtake Georgia in the East. And, and that's fair. Uh, that That actually makes sense. If he wants to get out of the East because it's one of those, like you said, we're, we're Alabama now we're Alabama over here now. So every, every other coach in the East, they want to, they, they know that mm-hmm. they're going to eventually have to come through us. So and maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe that's the path of least resistance and maybe it's a challenge, but I don't know. I just think it's some crazy number too. maybe seven. I don't. I, I don't understand. I mean, I think Bo Pelini had the the best success at Nebraska after Osborne. He had a he had a he walked, marched out of there with a pretty strong record. I think he was twenty or maybe even thirty games over five hundred. And I don't remember what happened there, why he was ousted. But I think they've had seven or eight head coaches since Tom Osborne. And I I don't know. Maybe, I guess because growing up, uh, I was friends, still friends with them, but uh, uh, a couple of brothers. And, and they liked Nebraska football. I mean, I watched a lot of it with them. Uh, they were dog fans. I mean, his brother went to UGA. Their dad was a big – their whole family was dog fans. They took me to my first Georgia game ever. But for whatever reason, they they liked Nebraska football. And they were foot, they were a football family. You know, brother went to Clemson. Uh, my uh, younger brother, uh, he's a little too small. But, boy, he was tough. The hardest I ever got hit by anybody was by him in practice one day. <laughs> he nailed the crap out of me. But – so, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, I I guess I have a little, I guess just because of my childhood, I have a soft spot for Nebraska football, and I would love nothing more than to see the – because back in the day, man, they were just these, you know, it was – Scott Frost said he wanted to have the finesse of Oregon and the toughness, of, you know, the old-school toughness of, of Nebraska football. It didn't work out. It exploded. It blew up in his face. But back in those days, they were just some big old, you know, farm Midwestern farm boys that would just knock you in the mouth and throw you around. They played tough football. That was how they got it done. So I guess I just liked their brand of football, and I would love to see them return to national prominence. I'm still – they moved the game, actually, to later in the year. I'm still going to try to get up to Ann Arbor to see Michigan, Nebraska, in the big house. It was going to be October 4th, but that I think they're playing – I think they're playing Penn State for homecoming now or something like that. So it's, it's later down the road – so anyway, that's my Nebraska story. I just I like the program. I would love to see them. It wouldn't break my heart if, you know, they got back up in there. And man, I would it, it would be great, man, to see Georgia Nebraska. That'd be a great football game for me. It would be awesome. My, I, I don't dogs know all the way, but oh yeah, no, I'm just saying that like just the landscape of college football, and I'm not saying it's set where it is because there's always going to be there's always going to be people climbing the ladder, but. It's really hard in this day and age with NILs and the transfer portal, and that's the other problem: transfer portal. You know, you go to you go to Nebraska, you build something at Nebraska, and somebody somebody wants your talent that you've developed over there. They can go get them. You know what I mean? So yeah. 
it, it's it's hard to rebuild a program with all that going on with the ability to steal your players. That just means that just means you and I have homework. Lots. We've lots. got to see how much money Nebraska has, who their boosters are. Do they have a what is it out in out in Texas? T Boone Pickens or whoever is that? Was Oklahoma State, I think. Do they have a guy like that? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's there's farm agriculture. There could be some gigantic alumni who's has has a giant you know conglomerate of farming. Who knows? You know, so maybe they do have that guy, or I don't know. I I, I tell you this, I I might would I might would be that guy. I'll go ahead and say it. If I won five hundred million bucks in the lottery, I might drive out to Lincoln and be like. Man, I, I watched you guys a lot growing up. I had some friends that were Nebraska fans. Let's get you back on the map. What do we need to do? I know, I think it's... I think it, all you have to do is open a car dealership. Yeah. Isn't it DeColdis Crawford who's out in Nebraska and he has a, an NIL deal with a heating and air company? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not saying they don't, but... So, that's our homework. We've got homework. We're going to research Nebraska. Moral of the story is it's tough to play in the East with Georgia on top. Oh, and until this NIL thing gets straightened out anyway, it's going to be a Georgia and Alabama. I, I think, I don't know, I think Dabo Sweeney for somehow like has, has tainted the culture in Clemson. I don't know, even though they have money. So weird. But, it's, yeah, I don't know what happened there. It's, it's, it's definitely, it just feels, Clemson doesn't feel like Clemson anymore. And it's just a feeling. That's, let's just say that. I, I, I don't, you know, watch the program enough. It just feels different. It feels like Clemson's gone and they're not coming back. I feel like I used to know everybody on Clemson's defensive line. I used to like know and fear their quarterback and some of their receivers, and I couldn't tell you. I I know if he's still starting, DJ Ugalele. Ugalele. But that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's all I know. I know without knowing a single person on their roster, it would be better for them to start their backup. Yeah, I know that. And we said, too, that Venables was more than just the D.C. there. I think he was a, a spark plug, and, and so we won't go down that road again. But, again, I think we're, and we've said it before, we're in that phase now where every year, year in, year out, it's going to be Georgia, Alabama, and everybody else for the time being. I, I don't see Georgia. They're not. They're not going anywhere, period, end of story. Um, so it's going to be fun to watch just exactly how they handle this NIL I think they've got – I mean, uh, Josh Booty said it when he was on the show. They've got to get a handle on this transfer portal thing somehow. Like, Because he said, you know, hey, you're, you're signing a contract. You're agreeing to come to a school in exchange for education and housing and medical, and, and you, you, it's an agreement. You should be held to your agreement. At the very least, they sh- I think they should revert back to you got to sit out of here or something. But I just got the magical notification. I hate to cut this short – because, man, we could have a five-hour podcast every week probably. But we've got things to do today and, we, you know, life. Just we got to be places and do things. So we got to get out of here. But, man, that was a good one. We hope you think it was a good one. We're going to see you again soon. But we love you, Atlanta. You stay safe. Bird Gang Tailgate, does it come back next week? Uh, the they second. Okay, they're not at home. Uh, they're on the road again next week. But we will see you later. We love you, Atlanta. Good night. Do you believe?